I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. David Barres is a husband, father, believer, author, speaker, consultant, as well as a life and relationship coach. So please welcome to the show, David Barres. What's up, fam? <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up, fam? It's been forever. I know. I know. It's a little background for the listeners and those tuning in. Uh, years ago, pre-pandemic, um, we were both speaking on a panel at an event. <laughs> a pre-hot mess. Uh, we were speaking on a, a panel together and you were speaking and I was like, okay, why is everything that comes out of this brother's mouth the truth? Like oftentimes, especially in this space, I find there are a lot of males telling women how to think and what to do. And you know, speaking on things, they're they're single, but giving relationship advice, they've <laughs> never been married, all that good right. stuff. But you are the absolute truth. And I think part of why I've stayed connected to you and engaged with what you put out there, um, I think, you know, I I consider myself an inner rebel and I love, you know, the hashtag that you were using at the time. I'm not even sure if you're still using it, but it was like permission to think differently. Absolutely. So um, I'm excited for this conversation because not only are you a wealth of knowledge, but you are so transparent and I believe that our listeners are in for a treat. So they better just get a notepad and start taking notes. Come on, let's go. Have fun. (laughs) Okay. So typically I like to start the show with getting a little bit of your history, the backstory, you know, who David was before society or, you know, our parental figures um, Mm. unintentionally started to shape who we become. So I would love to know what you wanted to be as a child Mm. and, you know, what were your aspirations as a teenager? 
if you don't mind, I'll start with what I do now. Because what I what I what I dreamed of as a child, it'll all make sense. So what I do now is I'm a I'm a life and relationship coach, public speaker. Those are two things that I do well. Um, McKinney, when I was a kid, so I was born and raised in a city called Richmond, California, which is San Francisco Bay Area, real small town. My mother and I, so born only child, didn't have a father. And when I was younger, I had some issues. And so I went to a therapist and the therapist happened to be my aunt had a she's a therapist and she had other therapists that worked under her. So I saw how they help people with their relationships. So at an early age, I knew I wanted to do that. And then I remember being a kid building platforms and stages with Legos and having little men and women on stage singing and talking and speaking. And so I'd known from an early age that I would be some type of public speaker helping folks with relationships. And that's what I do today. Uh, Former Mm -hmm. pastor, but I still kind of serve in a pastoral role. So all of that stuff has lent itself to who who I've become today. And I'm literally living my kids, my my childhood dream, which is what I love. See, that's what I love to hear. And that's part of why I asked that question to begin with, because it's always interesting to see how what we wanted to be as a child when we had the freedom of using our imagination without limitations before society and culture starts to limit us how that connects to who we become or how we shifted or pivoted from that. So it's beautiful to hear that you are doing what you've always wanted to do. That's right. Yeah. So because for the last four and a half years, the focus has been on sharing the healing journey of women. And I've had some men come on the show uh, recently. I want to give the listeners, I guess, from a male perspective, um, what it means in, in your definition, what it means to be a man. Mm. What it means to be a man. So there are two parts to manhood and especially masculinity that I want to want to speak to. The first thing is, by the way, those who are listening, Kenny does not give us these questions in advance. <laughs> so you're getting this hot off the press. Uh, I may not even believe what I'm saying. So let's take that with a grain of salt. No, but masculinity, I've been kind of really working with this thought for the last, really last year. There are two parts of masculinity. There's a, there's a soft and there's a hard. There's a lion and there's a lamb. Uh, there's a king and there's a kid. All of those exist inside of man. The challenge is that most of us men have been taught how to lean into the rock side of us, but not the cotton side, Right. So manhood and masculinity is both strength, it's power, it's protection, it's force, but it's also caress, it's gentle, it's whisper, it's soft. And so I think marrying those two really makes the whole total man uh, and the emotionally intelligent, emotionally available man. It's nothing better than a man that can protect you and then caress you all in the same day. Right. So that makes that makes manhood to me Uh, and especially a man who can get out of his heart, get get out of his mouth, what's in his heart and really learn how to express and emote. That's manhood to me. Okay, listeners, I hope you guys like rewind this and listen to this part like on repeat. And this is Mm. why I'm having David on the show, because this man just spits knowledge Mm. (laughs) because I'm listening to what you're saying. And I love what you're saying. And I love the duality of, you know, the lion and the lamb, the king and the kid, all of that, and how marrying being the 
protector and the the nurturer. Okay, so when we talk about masculinity, I think some people have this misconception that that means that you have to be strong all the time or sure. you know that men don't cry and all those things. Sure. And I know from personal experience, the men that I've had the deepest connections with are emotionally available and I have seen that vulnerable side of them. So I know other men that look at vulnerability as a weakness because of what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to you to be weak and what causes men to feel weak? What it means to me, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> what it means to me, <laughs> and I want to give us permission to think differently. What it means to me to be strong is to be weak, mm-hmm. right? So a man's greatest strength is found in his, in his weakness, really, to be quite frank with you. I think the man that can honor his weakness, acknowledge his weakness, and really employ or implore around his weakness is a wise man. Mm-hmm. A man that can say, I don't have it all together and that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we have to really confront that, that weakness. You, you brought up a word earlier, McKinney, the word vulnerable means uh, it, to be exposed to danger. And so we're asking men to be more vulnerable. But to be honest with you, uh, because we are protectors, it is not natural for us to be exposed to danger. Right. And so if I'm exposing myself to danger in your presence, that says a lot about you as a woman. If I cry in your presence. That says a lot about you as a woman, for me to feel safe and vulnerable enough to open up and avail myself to that. So uh, I think it's essential. That soft side, that vulnerable side is key if we're going to really tap into the the strength of who we are as men. And I'll say this last thing. Um, and for the men who are listening, we really don't have true connection with the woman or women in our lives until we tap into the softer, more vulnerable side. Right. That's the, that's the part of her that receives us most. If I'm rough around the edges all the time, if I'm scraping against you all the time, if, I, if I'm ashy all the time, uh, that doesn't give you anything to relate to. And so I have to have to tap into that softer, more gentle side so that we can have something in common. Uh, and I'm not always dry, pulling you into my world. I didn't answer your question, but <laughs> I did the best that I could. As I was talking, I was like, Negro, you ain't answering that one. So my bad. <laughs> no, no, I, you know what, I, you answered the question kind of indirectly because, you know, I asked like, what does it, it mean to be weak to you and, and what causes men to feel weak? I'm sorry, McKinney. I just went left. No, 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 no. But, but, but what you gave us is like, what helps men to feel stronger and feel safe to be more vulnerable? Yeah, yeah. So I, it, it still makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> It takes a strong man to acknowledge he's weak. Yes. Right. Um, and in fact, the more you can acknowledge that, the greater your strength. Yeah. So we've lied to ourselves and told ourselves that we can't be, we've got to be strong. We have to be on. We have to have all the answers. We've got to be able to defend all the time. And what most men won't acknowledge is that sometimes we just want a day off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we don't know how to say, I want a day off from being a man. Right. So. Yeah. He, Leaning into that weakness really helps us get to the strength. And I think it's so important for people to hear that because I feel like society has conditioned us to believe that the men have to be strong all the time. And if they're not, you know, all those things. And I think when the chaos of the pandemic and everything happened, 
a lot of people were struggling with isolation, struggling with dealing with themselves, looking themselves in the mirror. But then I saw like an influx of men taking their own lives. Mm-hmm. And I know that a part of that definitely had to do with them feeling like they can't ask for help or they can't, um, you know, be soft or vulnerable or any of those things. Sure. So I guess what advice would you give to a younger gentleman about growing into manhood and I guess being vulnerable? Sure. Sure. Um, a mentor of mine who's recent, who passed away a few years ago, gave me some really good advice um, as I was searching for myself. And he said, Dave, if you just keep showing up, you'll figure it out. Right. And so the advice I would give to the young man or the young, even younger version of myself is Dave, keep showing up and you'll figure it out. But the other thing too, that he gave me and I, I live by is to really ask yourself questions. Right. So really go deep with yourself and ask yourself questions. And more importantly, ask yourself questions that scare you. Right. Think thoughts that scare you. That's one of the ways that we really stretch ourselves is to think thoughts that scare you. And to be quite frank with you, it's one of the ways that we build courage Mm -hmm. to really think thoughts that scare you. So when you have a thought in your mind and you um, don't be so quick to cast that thought away, lean into it for a minute. Right. And let it scare you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I give you another piece of advice? men? Absolutely. One of the other things that I've learned as a man is to not avoid the pain. Right. Two things that we have in life, pain and suffering. Suffering is a direct result of how we handle pain. Right. And so when I'm experiencing pain, when I avoid that pain, it lends itself to suffering. Right. But the way I alleviate suffering is leaning into the pain. Right. So the more I avoid the pain, the more I suffer through it. And so for the man who's listening, what I would say, man, is lean into the pain. The thing that's happened to you, the thing that's hurt you, the people that have failed you, lean into it because that's how we cure the suffering aspect of it. We lean into the pain and we embrace it, right? And we own it. Um, and we don't throw that pain away. I was um, on my way over here. I just had a thought. We, we, we are often taught to forgive and forget when it comes to pain, forgive and forget. But the challenge with that is that if I forgive and forget, I don't really have a progress report for my heart. Right. So I've got to remember what's happened, sir. You have to remember what's happened. Lean into that pain because your growth and your progress is on the other side of looking back, saying, look what I've come from. Look what I've come through. And I'm still here. And here's how I've managed it. And then there's going to be a McKinney that calls you and says, can you be on my podcast? And you'll now have something to talk about because you've been through so much, overcome so much and endure so much. You've said so much there that I, I want to unpack. Mm-hmm. Starting with the pain and the suffering and leaning into that. Mm-hmm. So I, I strongly believe that pain happens to us all. It's unavoidable. Sure. But suffering is optional. Yes, it is. Suffering is definitely how we choose to deal with that pain. Sure. And we are, as people, wired for connection. Mm. And if we understand that we need to lean on each other because isolation can lead to death, Mm. then we would understand the importance of connecting with people and asking for help. So my next question to you is like, what are ways for men to ask for help or what gets in the way of men asking for help? Mm. So I'll start there before I finish unpacking 
I think first of all, can I just say this podcast is amazing? <laughs> I know we mid podcast, and I should probably say this off camera, but I do a lot of podcasts. I speak to a lot of people, but these questions, McKinney. <laughs> yes, you know, Mara. yes, Mara. I, I have to admit. I... <laughs> yeah. So how, how does a how does a man? So if a woman wants a man, what does she do? I'm so sick of asking that. How do you position yourself to meet a man? If I answer that question one more time, I don't like to ask the typical questions, and I find naturally because I'm curious as a person, and part of me being very introverted, I'm very introspective. So. I enjoy deep conversations, deep thought, things that force me to think. So when I have conversations with people and, you know, I always prefer that they're more intimate settings and one-on-one, I want to go deep. I don't want to talk about the surface level stuff. I don't care. People can Google the surface level stuff. Right. You know? <laughs> so, so how did you overcome molestation? <laughs> Let's talk about that. I don't want to talk about how you get a man. We can deal with that later. How did you overcome molestation? Right. Thank you. Yes. We, we want to get raw because that's where the transformation happens right if we are sitting here constantly talking about the surface level stuff our life remains surface level if we are able to to talk about the deep things and especially being able to be in a space where we have an audience that is listening the impact on them because they may be going through this alone thinking nobody else is dealing with it because no one else is talking about it but we heal best in community so People come here to listen to these types of conversations because they may be afraid to have these conversations elsewhere, but it also forces them to think and they're able to to get some healing from it as well because they realize, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. Yeah. Thank you. Um, To answer your question on this amazing (laughs) podcast, I think the thing that stands in the way of men and their healing is their strength or the lie that they're strong. Mm. So I think... Lying to myself, telling me that I'm okay, keeps me from becoming okay. Mm-hmm. And I've done that for years. I think the other thing, too, is that lie leads to a numbness that most men don't uh, really understand that they're experiencing. There are a lot of men walking around numb. They can't feel anything, right? Uh, which is why we have a hard time relating to women. That's why when you cry, we leave, right? Because we don't want to deal with those emotions because your tears tap into the thing that I'm numb from. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me from my own healing. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have been married 19 years. Um, she and I have an amazing marriage, um, but there I, there was infidelity. I stepped out of my wife for a period of probably two years, if I were to be quite frank, just just a mess. And I was able to do that and hurt her because I was numb to my own self. Mm-hmm. The thing that really shifted things for us was one day she was crying and instead of me walking out like I would normally do, I walked toward her and just began to weep with her mm-hmm. and that opened her heart up. And that led to my healing. It really wow. did. Her tears led to my healing because mm-hmm. she allowed me to feel again. Mm-hmm. And so now that I can feel again, I can now process. So the thing I think to answer your question that keeps men from healing and restoration and really the breakthrough they need is the lie that we're strong and the numbness that we feel. I think those two things are really defeating men. Mm-hmm. Wow. The, the lying to yourself piece. Um, so there was a while ago, I don't remember what book it was that I read it in. Cause I, I have a thing about reading um, neuroscience books and, and mm. things like that. I don't know. I probably should have went that route in mm. my 
you know, maybe in my next life. But um, it was talking about even when we lie to ourselves, what happens within our body. Like, for example, if we think a positive thought, it sets off a chemical reaction within us. If we think a negative thought, it sets off a different chemical reaction, which affects, you know, our body function and then the results and actions and so on. So when we are even lying to ourselves, it's self-harm, right? And anyone who is suffering from mental health, anything in that realm can tell you from experience, they find ways to numb themselves, whether it be alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever they they do to numb, to not feel that feeling. Mm. So when you talk about how men lie to themselves and the numbness, I was like, we have so many men that are struggling with mental health, but because it's either not addressed as such, or there's the stigma or shame behind it, they're not in search of their own healing. They're That's not right. trying to do the work. Right. So I guess that makes me ask, like, what habits that, okay, how do I want to ask this? What habits that once helped you no longer serve you? Mm-hmm. Because if, you know, once lying to yourself and trying to numb yourself, and then you've come to this place of restoration in your marriage, and you are now giving, like, so many amazing gems to others, helping them heal on their journey, mm-hmm. what are some things that once helped you no longer serve you? Well, that's um, that's a weighted question. And so I'm having a hard time pinpointing anything. What I will say is that every negative thing that I've done, lying to myself, um, abandoning my own self, right? Those are all things that all, everything is toxic. Mm-hmm. But it really, it's formed, it's interesting. It now fuels these conversations. Right. So everything negative that I've been through, everything that I've put myself through is now fuel for me bringing other men out. Mm-hmm. So I can't pinpoint any one thing. It's all mm-hmm. of it. Every mm-hmm. aspect, the lies, the cheating on myself, the abandoning myself, the not believing in myself, um, the, the sexual abuse. And what I mean by that is sleeping with several people or even masturbation. These are all things that all now fuel these conversations I'm having with men and women for that, for that matter. Mm-hmm. So what are some other beliefs that cause problems in a relationship? In a relationship as a whole? Yes. Um, the belief that it's about me. The belief that you're here to serve and to meet my needs. Mm-hmm. The reality is I'm here to meet your needs, right? I'm to be your chief servant. Um, and so the lie is that you're here to to be my chief servant. I think that gets in the way of a lot of people's growth and development. We're here to outserve one another. Mm-hmm. Imagine what happens when we wake up every day and I'm saying to myself, how can I lighten McKinney's load today? What what are the top three things that I can do to make her day better? And what if she woke up and said the same thing about her husband? And we're out serving one another. So I think the lie is that um, it's about me. Mm-hmm. The reality is it's, all, it's it's really all about you. And when we wake up, both of us thinking it's all about you, it becomes all about us, especially when, you come, when it comes to marriage. When we, be, when we become married, when we stand at the altar, McKinney, it's going to be you're going to stand there with yourself and he's going to stand there with himself. You'll be there with one another. Mm-hmm. The moment that pastor, priest, the officiant says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, you're going to leave as one another. Right. And so me, we're now living out with one person being lived out in two lives. 
So if that's the case, I've got to treat your need as if it's mine. And you've got to treat my need as if it's yours. And so if I would give myself a bath, I'll give I'll run your water. If you would prepare your plate, you'll prepare mine. And so the lie is that I need you to serve me. The truth is I need to wake up to serve you. <sighs> I need a uh, I need a sigh in there because <laughs> so I was holding my breath the whole time you're talking. There are so many beliefs that we have as men and women about relationships that are not true that cause us to have actions that are not helpful. Mm. And when we did our IG live together in like 2020, there was, I think there was a, a video that you had posted. And I don't remember if it was you that said it or someone in the video, but it was like, I'm really concerned that brothers have never been taught to have relationships with women that's disconnected from what they can do for us. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> disconnected from what the guy can do for the woman. So, uh, what okay. the woman can do for the guy? What the woman can do for the yeah. guy. So basically, them viewing women by what they can do or yeah. um, how they can make them look and not yep. who they are. Yep. That's still a problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I guess my next question is like, there, there are misconceptions and myths and toxic views that some men have of women. Sure. With your expertise, what are some that you see regularly and what is the truth about those misconceptions or myths? Well, I think that, you know, we're about to get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) We're about to, we're about to get in trouble. Um, I think the lie. So let me say this. I'll say it the safe way. Leadership, the essence of leadership is servitude. Mm -hmm. The essence of leadership. Is servitude. It's not position. It's not title. It's not parking space. It's not tax bracket. The essence of true leadership is servitude. Men are to be the leaders in their community and especially the leaders in their home. So if I'm the leader in my home, the chief leader, I've got to be the chief servant. The lie is that you are to serve me. Mm-hmm. The reality is if I'm leader, I'm really here to serve you. Mm-hmm. Here's the other lie that most men have been taught. We've been we've been taught, McKinney, that we're to take the lead. You, you just take the lead. The problem with taking anything is that taking is rooted in dominance. Mm. What I suggest is that men provide leadership, right? So the difference between taking and providing is taking is rooted in dominance. I take the lead. Provision is rooted in cherishing. I provide leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I'm providing leadership, I'm considering your heart. I'm considering your history. I'm considering your needs, saying, I've got to lead her from what she's been through, mm-hmm. from what she desires to experience, from what her dreams are, as opposed to, I'm a lead based on what I think we should do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the misconception for men is that we got to take the lead. No, sir. You provide leadership. The word provision is derived of two words the word pro, which means before, and the word vision to see. So provision really means to see before. So if I'm going to be a provider, in essence, I have to have vision for your future, not just mine. And I have to lead you from what I see in your future, which means I can't just be focusing on me as a man. I've got to focus on who this woman is, these children are that I'm leading. Mm-hmm. Preach. Make- <laughs> Preach. Right. So we have this whole is we, we got it. We got it all wrong. And we 
we, ha- we just, we think women are here for us mm-hmm. and you are, but I'm actually required to do more loving than you are mm-hmm. more serving than you are more sacrificing because I am the leader of this household. And mm-hmm. I, I established the culture of servitude and leadership in our home. I love the, the perspective of servant leadership and not just in our relationships because, because that's in life, how I've been looking at leadership. And that's how I, when I see someone in leadership mm-hmm. that I admire and that I respect, it's through servant leadership. It's not the the person that's taken leadership. It's sure. the person who is leading by example, who, you know, they are working with their team, not they're hands on, they're in the ring. They're, they're doing in it with them. Yeah. Not yeah. apart from them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So those, those are the, the people, the types of leaders that, that I respect. So I love um, how you've even put that, you know, for relationship sense. There was a couple of things that we had broken down um, when we did that IG live a couple of years ago. And you were talking about, uh, I think it came from a post that you had about the four myths that men have about women. Mm. And one of them, so I guess I'll, I can say the myth and then you can unpack the truth. Do it. I'm glad you I'm glad you got it in front of you because I don't remember any of them. I got 20 more now. I know you do. I'll take your four. Okay. So uh, the myth, women are never satisfied. That's not true. Women are, it's not that women are never satisfied. The, the challenge is women are designed and wired to improve, Right. So we take what you are improving as if you're not satisfied with me. And that's not true. You just you, you're wired to improve. And men have to understand that. Um, my wife, I'm like, every time I turn around, there's something shifted, <laughs> something adjusted, something new, something moved. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's not that she's not satisfied. It's just that she's always wired to improve. Yeah, I can 1000 percent agree with that. Um, (laughs) I had to unpack that to my partner because it's not that I don't like what you've done or what you were doing. I see room for growth. That's right. I see how what you're doing isn't to the best of your ability and I can see where things can be improved. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard for us to receive that. (laughs) You know what? And it's also in the delivery of the message. We had a conversation the other day where it was like, if he's done something and I just say, next time, do it this way, then it's received as I'm trying to tell him what to do That's or right. I want it done my way. If And I've approached the same thing, but my way of saying it started out with, can I give my opinion on something? And then like starting the sentence with, I am saying this out of love. Yeah. Because I can see that this is what you're doing, but I have a suggestion of a way that may work better. (laughs) And then I provide that and the response is complete opposite. It's, yeah, I'll definitely try that versus, you know, why are you trying to tell me what to do? (laughs) Here's a trip. I didn't notice that we do this. Men are always, we want to be direct until it comes time to get corrected. Then we need all the words, right? Yep. (laughs) I never noticed that we do that until you just brought that up. Like we want yeah. you to speak to us directly until yeah. our ego's on the line. Yeah. Then we need you to soften it a little bit. So give me yeah. all the words that tell me how amazing <laughs> I am so that you can now drop the bomb. I didn't realize well, we did that. Wow. I had to learn that through all the books and podcasts because I am someone who is known for being blunt when I speak. 
Mm-hmm. And I've realized before, I was like, well, if you don't like how I say it, then too bad for you. Mm-hmm. And then it came to a point where I realized, okay, what I'm saying, it may be true, but how I'm delivering it is hurtful. That's right. So then I had to learn how, and I, I'm not good at it, you know, the sugarcoating. So it's, okay, let me not over sugarcoat, but I can't be as blunt as I would like to be. So how can I deliver this mes- message of truth and make it be received with love instead of judgment? So I have to be conscious when Jeez. I speak. <laughs> it's a trip. Like, I think our hearts need language. Yeah. Right. Our, our hearts need language. And the more language you can give me from our heart, it feels better. It feels better. Wow. I didn't realize I feel like I'm in therapy right now. Like, I need all the words. I need all the words. Can I tell you, like, 95% of my guests, even when we're done recording, they're like, wow, that felt like a therapy session. It's like- therapy, you know? Yeah, it's therapy. Like, I need, it all the, I need all the words. I didn't realize that's so good. Okay, so the, the next myth, women are high maintenance. Women are not high maintenance at all. Well, let me say it this way. Everyone should be high maintenance, right? I think if you're going to do a relationship with me, all the work that I've done, you have to come up. You have to be on another level. So there's a higher, you have to be high maintenance to even maintain a relationship with me. But on the superficial side, it's not that women are high maintenance. Um, women often have higher standards than men. And they should. Here's one of the reasons why I believe that's the case. If we were to look at, you know, I'm going to give you at least one Bible scripture. Mm -hmm. I have to. If we look at, you know, I'm going to talk Adam and Eve. I have to. So if we look at Adam and Eve, this guy was in the garden by himself, but he still had a need. He needed her. So he was there, but not everything was in place. When she came, everything she needed was there, including her boob. So she's used to having all that she needs. So it's not really high maintenance. It's God created me to have everything that I need. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not doing that, I need you to do that. That's another need of mine because I Mm -hmm. need to have my needs met. So it's not a bad thing. You were designed and wired to have what you need. Preach. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Another myth is that women want to control men. Not true at all. Women, we're not wanting to control men. Again, there's that improvement piece. It's not control, it's improvement. I don't want to control you. I just want to improve you. And I was sent to help you, sir. So do you want the help or not? That's the question we have to ask. And that's that's just it. Do you want the help or not? You you can't yep. help someone that doesn't want to be helped. You know, a, a closed mind can't accept new ideas. They don't want to receive it. Cannot. That's dope. I'm taking that. I give you credit, <laughs> I give you credit three times. You're going to hear it. Three times say McKinney Smith said a closed mind cannot receive new ideas. Thrice. And that's the third time. That's your boy. Okay, okay. Yep. We can share. We can share. Yep. Um, okay, so the last myth. Women are jealous and possessive. That's not true. Women are the, you're not you're not well, some are, right? Some people are <laughs> jealous and possessive. Yes. But I think the overarching thing is, is is women aren't jealous and possessive. Women guard their investment well. Hmm. Right. And so if I'm investing all of this time and energy into you, sir, um, I'm not possessive, but I have an investment in this. And so I'm really I really want to guard my investment. It's not that I want to keep you from doing anything. It's I put in too much work. Yeah. And so 
this relationship is an investment for me and I need to guard my investment. Yeah. <laughs> my, my brain is like, there's so much, there's so many different paths that I want to go down with this conversation that we could unpack. And I'm like, there's only so much, so much time. So I know we'll have to do a, a part two. I was going to say, we got to do this again. <laughs> Next time I'm taking all your quotes. I'm coming with my movie. <laughs> Every time you talk, I'm going to... <laughs> you know, in order for someone to have this much wisdom, it comes from experience. Mm-hmm. It comes from not only personal experience, but the experience of, you know, the people that you connect with, the environments that you've been in, who you've interacted with. Naturally, our, our paradigms are, you know, habitual way of thinking. It's ingrained in us and programmed from our childhood. And then as we grow and evolve, especially if we are healing those childhood wounds, you know, we have to unlearn things and relearn some things. And none of us are perfect. And you've admitted to doing some things and having some errors that you had to learn from. Sure. What would you say has been your most influential error (laughs) that forced you to have to learn and heal and grow to be the man you are now? Adultery. Hands down. Just adultery. I've learned and grown so much from having an adulterous affair. It's crazy. Like, and I had to go through it. I had to. This is... This fire that I speak from today is because I've been through so much hell, my wife and I, and we made it. Mm -hmm. To make it out of the fire alive together, Mm -hmm. there's nothing you can say to me. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know everything, right? I'm I'm not an expert at everything, but I do know how to survive a fire. And I do know how to identify a fire before you get into it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that you pointed that out because I feel like today's generation, I mean, they're already the microwave generation. They want results like instantly, you know, they don't have the patience to work through or I guess do the work to wait for anything to happen. But um, I don't know if you are a follower of uh, Kadeen and um, why did his name just slip my mind? I know Um, who they are. Yes. The Ellis's. I know who they are. So I've, I've been following them since maybe 2017 on Instagram, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as they had their sons and evolved in their business to what it is today. And I just started reading their book and they speak openly, like they've been together like 20 years and they speak openly about infidelity, abortion, you know, all the things that have happened within their marriage that they've had to work through to be as strong as they are today. And I think a lot of us will look at if we were in those shoes, it's easy to say, y'all, I would have left or I would have this, or I would have sure. sure. But then we see healthy relationships of people who have evolved together and had exponential growth together by working through a thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that you pointed that out. That's so good. <laughs> Listen, I'm learning more on this podcast. And <laughs> like my mind is like, you got to speak to that. You got to speak to that. You got to speak to that. So you just, this is amazing. You Thank are you. really, 
This is why I say no to so many people. Because <laughs> I need this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm sick of everything else. Like, yeah. this is it right here. Yeah. These conversations. Well, thank you. I, I live for these conversations. Like I have goosebumps right now. I live for these conversations because four and a half, almost five years ago, when I started this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. And the intention originally was to just share other people's stories of resilience. And I thought it would be a tool for my coaching, you know, to gain leads or what have you. But it's been so cathartic and healing for me. And to hear the responses from the listeners, the DMs that I get, it's so fulfilling. And it is a form of therapy, but it's like being able to have these conversations multiple times a week. And then I get to share them. So then I got to listen to them again. Like (laughs) That's crazy. Your mind is like, (laughs) it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. Like (laughs) I have to laugh because my partner's like at nighttime, my brain, the level of depth that it goes into, it's like, does your brain relax? Like, I I don't know. Is he, is he like this too? Is he like, we uh, get to have these conversations and he's so used to the depth that my brain goes into, (laughs) but I mean, it's not for everyone. Some, not, some people can't handle it. Nah, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So my wife is not, it's, I don't like, I don't talk like this at the house just because it's, it's too much. It's Mm -hmm. a lot. Like our minds are a lot. So I, I have to, remember that not everybody's they don't want that right? yeah they just want yeah. to talk about your day how was your day not <laughs> neuroscience and not so but this is my kind of this is my cup of tea man. i've interrupted our podcast <laughs> three times today to tell you hey this is it yo this is this right here this the one thank you david thank you i feel like i'm doing something like no matter how many times because we all know anything that we do in order to be consistent, you know, there's, there's struggles, there's, there's bumps in the road and being someone who I don't people often, <laughs> I don't like to be around a lot of people. I don't like to, you know, be in all that, but being able to have these conversations and even if it gets tiring sometimes, you know, the production side of things, it's like, no, no, I need to keep doing this. And yeah. the confirmation from guests like yourself the the reminder that these conversations are are needed are are very helpful. So thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I've never done a podcast where I'm like, I gotta go back and listen to this. This is really <laughs> I've never. I'm telling you, like I do podcasts for, and I'm not saying I'm all that at all. But when you do them and then you go on because you answer the same question a million times. This one I have to listen to like, <laughs> yo, this is this is amazing. I've never been asked any of these questions before. Ever. <laughs> And I'm 47 years old. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> I interviewed, um, I don't know if you know who Julie Black is, but she's like Canada's queen of R&B. Okay. And um, I interviewed her maybe a year or two ago. And she's like, I've been in this business for how long, Bikini? And I do interviews every day. And you were asking questions that I've never been asked in my life. Never. But it, it's pure curiosity. I thrive on understanding how people work and how we function and how we can improve. It's, it's just who I am. Mm. (laughs) I mean, it's part of what I do as a mindset coach, but it's, it's what I love. Yeah. You're a genius. You are brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. I'm over here like, yo, we should do a podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm really not here right now at this point. I'm like, oh, it'd be dope if we did like a five series podcast called, you know what I mean? I'm I'm in. Yo, we should do it. I'm in. No, I'm serious. 
David, I'm serious. I'm in. Let's, Let's do it like a five series podcast just from each perspective. Yeah. And let's just talk about it, right? I'm in. Right. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it after. Yeah, I'm, in. For sure. I'm so in. <laughs> okay. So before we go to the final segment of the show, which is more like a rapid fire, I want you to tell the people where they can stay connected with you and learn more from you and about you. Yeah. Um, you, wherever McKinney is, that's where you can find me. <laughs> wherever my sister's going to be, that's where I'm going to be from this point on. <laughs> this is dope. Um, um, all platforms, it's official David Burris, global, B-U-R-R-U-S. Um, I run a community, it's a coaching community called Activate Nation, where I do two things. I help people live out their purpose and do purposeful relationships. Um, and that is the activatenation.com. So those are two places you can find me anywhere on social media, Activate Nation. I'm on YouTube as well. I'm just really starting out building this YouTube channel as well. So that's where I am and wherever you are, sis. Okay. (laughs) So I will have um, all the links to your socials and your website in the detailed section of the episode so they don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly. And I'm sure by the time this show airs, we'll have details for them about where they can listen to our dual podcast. Listen, it's coming. This is it. <laughs> this is episode one, to be quite frank with you. We can just, we can just repurpose this one. This yes. Be, this thing is fine. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for the final segment of the show, it's more like a rapid fire. You can answer one word, one sentence. But again, being an inner rebel, a rule breaker, I don't like to be boxed in. So if you feel the need to unpack, then unpack. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. What is one thing you forgive yourself for? The one thing I forgive myself for is not being me. Mm-hmm. All the years I wasn't myself. I forgive me mm-hmm. for that. That should have been. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? That could be distractions, invitations, family. Mm-hmm. I've said no to everything that does not bring me peace. So if it doesn't bring me peace or doesn't add to my bottom line, I say no to it. Same. (laughs) Okay. When you feel overwhelmed, unfocused, or uninspired, what do you do? I ask myself the questions. What's going on? Why do you feel this way? How do we get out of it? So I just, I start asking, I talk to myself out loud. I have a place in my, at my home that I go to to have conversations with myself out loud. And that's Mm -hmm. what I do. I go have... I literally talk to me out loud until we figure it out. Yeah. Listen, people don't realize the importance. Well, talk therapy, I find works because sometimes we may be so in our head, but we need to hear it out loud. You know, so we don't necessarily have to be talking to another person, but when you say it out loud, your brain is processing. So you're able to get the answers that you need. That's right. Okay. Okay. Let me find out. We should have like a therapist, but like we're therapists, but we're really not. (laughs) But like we're fake therapists. Like we should call it the fake therapy podcast, right? Because it's really therapy. We just it is. For it, but it's fake therapy. But it's gonna help. Like it will Listen, bring you out. We are healers. Okay. We don't That's need do. a, a therapy or what do you call we it? Don't. A, a therapist certification we to be a healer. You don't. <laughs> and you are. You do it well. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> When and where are you the happiest? I am the happiest when I'm doing this. These, when I'm having these conversations, this mm-hmm. is it for me. When mm-hmm. I can just be pushed in my mind, I'm the happiest. Love yep. it. Yep. Okay. What's the worst advice you've ever received? 
Hmm. I think the worst advice, sheesh. I don't listen to a lot of people. <laughs> I don't listen to people that don't. Um, I think the worst advice that I ever received was what it takes to get her is what it will take to keep her. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not true at all. You have to adjust. Yes. Yeah. I agree. With that's probably the worst advice, but that's what I can remember right now. Okay. Yeah. And last but not least, what do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be that I broke the rules and I did it God's way. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Which they're synonymous with one another, actually. Right? (laughs) They're synonymous. Doing it God's way is causing you to break rules. And that's what you do. That's what I do. That's right. That's what you do, fam. So that's why we do what we do. Thank you so much, David, for, I I knew this conversation was going to be fruitful, but thank you for the wisdom, the transparency, like the nuggets, the laughs, just the openness. I think this conversation confirms for me having more men like yourself on the show to share your perspective, because there's so much insight, Mm -hmm. not just, you know, speaking from fluff, (laughs) But from experience, biblical principles, just being who you are. So thank you, David. Thank you, fam. Hey, (laughs) we see y'all next week. Episode two. (laughs) Don't don't worry about it. It's coming. Thank you for having me, sister. I appreciate it. And to all of you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. And don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We would love to hear what your aha moment was from this episode. We would love to hear what stuck out for you, what resonated with you most. Feel free to screenshot this episode and you can tag David at official David Barres Global. You can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show globally rank in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts. And that's out of over 3 million shows. So thank Mm. you. Thank you so, so much. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.